With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Welcome to Hub City Homers. We're on episode 31 now. Tonight we'll uh, be talking about a Sweet 16 preview against the Duke Blue Devils. And at the end, I'm going to sprinkle in a little bit of tech baseball as they uh, match up against the Texas Longhorns this weekend at Dan Law Field. Uh, my name is Jack. Uh, tonight, I'm with my co-host, Kendall, and it's just going to be us two tonight. Uh, we don't have Macon or uh, Reed tonight. They're a little busy, so uh, tonight, it's just going to be me and Kendall. We're going to kind of switch it up a little bit tonight, kind of more of just a conversational back and forth about what we expect uh, from Tech tomorrow, or depending on when you're listening to it, on Thursday against the Duke Blue Devils. Um, we're going to talk about uh, the way that we think Tech can win, um, some things that Duke does that give them good options to win as well. And uh, we're just going to kind of just have a chat and see where it goes from there. Kind of a little bit different than what we're used to, uh, than what we're used to doing, just rapid fire Q&A. So we'll go ahead and just dive into it, really. Uh, Kendall, you know, I'm sitting here, I'm looking at this roster uh, for Duke, and before we do it, I guess we should touch on the fact this is Coach K's last run. Um, man, I would I would love nothing more than to, you know, end his career at 99 tournament wins and not let him get that hundredth. But um, as you're as we're looking at that stuff, you know, typically when you hear about Duke, you always hear you know two or three or four names that are widely known across the country. You know, back a couple years ago, they had Zion Williamson. And, you know, they, they typically have, you know, a, a bunch of household names. This, this roster is a little bit different, though. 
you know, they have uh, Paolo Bancaro, and everyone really knows who he is, so to speak. And But other than that, you know, if you really don't follow college basketball that much, uh, you don't really – none of these other names other than maybe Wendell Moore – uh, you know, really jump off the page that you may be Theo John from uh, from Marquette because he transferred to Duke. But, you know, I don't really know if uh, any of these other names really jump out other than Bancaro, you know, as, unlike past Duke squads. So what is this uh, – how does this team look different in your eyes uh, as opposed to, you know, uh, past Duke teams? Uh, to me, they just have uh, a lot more experience up and down the roster. A lot of these players were there last year when uh, when Duke had a really rough year. Uh, a lot of them really – they weren't, like, at the very top of their class. A lot of them were, like, kind of just middle-of-the-road recruits. But, you know, they still have a lot of effective players. Uh, A.J. Griffin is one that we're really going to have to – look out for down low he's a but he's a smaller kind of a big so um tech should have be able to kind of handle him but really duke starts and finishes with paulo bancaro uh he is you know there might only be one of them but uh bancaro is really all this duke team needs if he's going this duke team uh can beat just about anyone but I think that he has kind of had to carry the load a little too much at times this year. And I think that's where tech could kind of take advantage. Uh, Wendell Moore, uh, just with his experience, he's been, he was there that first uh, run when they lost to Michigan state in 2019 with his eye on an RJ and uh, you know, but a lot of these guys really experienced like, deep and a deep NCAA tournament run so it'll be really interesting to see just kind of how these other guys outside of Bancaro more and maybe Griffin uh step up because it's going to take a uh, team effort offensively to beat Tech ever and you know they seem like they get uh a little reliant on Bancaro sometimes and that could play a lot to Tech's advantage you think that this, I guess this squad, you know, it's, you said not a lot of them are ranked very as high as they normally are. Do you think that's because, uh, you know, Coach K is on the way out and everyone knows that John Shire is taking over now. Uh, do you think that it's kind of them giving him the reins to the recruiting side and kind of getting his players in early to kind of set up that blueprint for future teams? Well, if you look at their roster, there's really only one guy, probably two, that uh, really seem like they're going to go out to the draft this year, and that's Bancaro and Griffin. Uh, I mean, more could, but really I think that that's a pretty big possibility that, you know, these past couple of years they've been recruiting more so knowing K is on his way out, and uh, they maybe want to build up some more veteran leadership for when this program takes uh, the new step when K's out. But I really think that, there's some guys on this team that can be really dangerous if you aren't uh, just kind of paying attention to them. Jeremy Roach is one of them. Uh, he has had certain games where he's kind of heated up recently. In their last game, he had 15 against Michigan State. Uh, you know, he plays in spurts. Uh, some games he could be in the upper 30s in minutes. There's other games where 
Uh, he is only averaging between 20 and 25 minutes. So uh, he's a guy that you just kind of didn't know his name and know where he's at at all times. Uh, but really, what's kind of just shocked me about this Duke team is they're not like your normal Duke team. They uh, defensively are kind of just terribly inconsistent. Uh, they've gotten kind of destroyed. It's really not what their normal culture is. Uh, you know, in their last 10 games, they've ranked their 166th team in the country uh, in defensive efficiency. So, And while their offense has been number one in the nation in efficiency in that same time span, uh, you know, going up against a defense like Tech, uh, if you can't – Tech is a team that, you know, they struggle against good defensive teams offensively, but really they've found their footing when they play uh, kind of some worse defensive teams. Like, they've been able to take advantage. They have the uh, talent to take advantage of bad defensive teams. So if uh, they, they get some looks, I mean – I, it's not possible, I don't think, for Tech to shoot that bad twice, two games in a row. Uh, I mean, they this year it seems like they've always followed up their bad offensive games with a good one. So I'm actually pretty optimistic going into tomorrow. Just uh, from that standpoint, I think that you know Bryson had a rough game last game. You know, there's some shots he couldn't just get the fall, but uh, you know, I think that. We match up really well with this Duke team. And that's something that's just really sticking out to me. You know, they haven't handled physical teams great this year. The ACC only had two Ken Palm top 40 defensive teams. So this really is a defense that they haven't seen much of this year. Uh, Gonzaga would possibly be the only one that's really relatable. And uh, they just don't play as physical. And they've Gonzaga's defense has been somewhat exposed against uh, – against better offensive teams. So uh, I think Duke is going to be in for a pretty big wake-up call on the defensive end. But, um, you know, when it comes to the recruiting, though, I mean, the talent's still there. Like, their recruiting – their bad recruiting classes are still miles ahead of just about anybody else's, like, you know – average to good recruiting class so I think that they still have plenty of talent on this squad but uh, I think tech just their experience and stuff is really going to help them in this game too though yeah you know we were talking earlier about it and uh, we are talking about just how how you know they only really play six guys they only have six guys that average more than you know 11 or 12 minutes of game time and you know we we've talked you and I have talked in depth multiple times about how, you know, the, the, the never ending subs, it seems like, and how, you know, there are times where you're just playing in two minute spurts. If you're a tech, it's almost like a hockey game and line changes to where, uh, you know, not that frequently, but it's just one of those things where every time you, there's a dead ball, it seems like tech subbing out. So how much do you think that this, the subs, I guess, can be a factor in this game. Because, I mean, I know we've talked about it a little bit already, but, you know, I can't see a team just out out hustling Tech for 40 minutes with only six guys. I just can't see it. Well, 
the six guys is one thing, but the whole other thing, it's the NCAA tournament. Uh, Duke made it to the championship game of their conference tournament. Yeah, absolutely. They had a went through three games in three days. Uh, and also they had to go through um, a really tough Michigan State game. And, you know, when you play only, I mean, really seven, if you're lucky, uh, that adds up. And if you've ever stepped foot on a basketball court, like, you know that if you're going and you're facing a team, especially like Tech, Tech, when they know a team is tired, they like to push the ball. They will – and their defense, when they're that aggressive, um, if you start to turn the ball over, you're going to get real tired real quick. And, um, you know, Coach Gay actually mentioned that in his uh, in his presser today. He talked about just Tech's experience, uh, you know, text, and he talked a lot about Tech's transfers too and how they are kind of like basically built for this type of tournament. And I think that we are the best and most aggressive defensive team Duke is going to see. And I think that that's why they're also not going to be like used to the uh, ball pressure that we bring. And I think that we're going to be able to wear them out and they're going to have to go deeper into their bench. But also, like we talked about, you know, there's still probably more talent in that middle and end of Duke's bench than some people's starting lineups across the nation. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, it's it's going to be a dogfight no matter what. But uh, I'm really just interested to see kind of as we – as this the game goes on, you know, can we get our offense – we've seen so many times that this offense seems like it's going to break through. And it's getting a little frustrating that we keep kind of – we have – it seems like for every – step we take forward offensively it seems like we take two steps back the next game and um i definitely i definitely think we saw that in the in the notre dame game after yeah after putting up 97 on uh montana state i i I definitely feel like we saw two steps back at times but then again i mean i don't know about you there were times where i felt that there was quality possessions that we had i guess you're gonna get those every game but There was but, a ton of just good – we got fantastic looks throughout that game. Yeah, but, they just weren't falling. Um, and, you know, how many bunnies and stuff is like Kevin O'Banner and Bryson Williams. Like, they're they're missing turnaround hook shots that they make nine times out of ten. And, you know, we weren't able to dominate, uh, like, points in the paint-wise against Notre Dame like we should have. Uh, you know, with how many opportunities we got, you know – when we're beating teams like Kansas in the regular season, like 42 to 18 in points in the paint, uh, when we get into this tournament, teams like Notre Dame, it should have been much easier for us offensively. And, But I'm also somewhat, um, I guess, intrigued because, you know, we haven't really had two flat-out terrible offensive games back-to-back. And, like, whether it was, you know, the K-State game, on the road or the OU game on the road, we always followed it up with a really quality offensive performance. And to me, that basically means breaking 70. And I think, you know, Mark Adams talked about all season when facing Kansas, notably that uh, 70 is that magic number. I think it's 70 is going to be that magic number against uh, Duke too. Uh, They are right up there with the best offensive teams in the nation. So 
we're really going to have to kind of just be able to keep pace with them because they're going to – like, no matter how good your defense is, they're going to score. And Bancaro is going to get in certain situations where he's going to be able to get into the paint. Uh, it's pretty hard to stop when you're 6'10", and as athletic as he is. He's going to be a tough matchup for any of our guys. Uh, but really, yeah, I, like you said, the six guys, it doesn't work against Tech. It just doesn't. Uh, Notre Dame was playing, I think, seven guys after in their third game that week. And um, they, by I the think, end of I that think, game – Yeah, they were gassed. They were gassed. They – we're settling for threes. What Blake was the only guy that was really looking for his shot. And, you know, thank God for Marcus Santos Silva. Uh, he, yeah, no doubt. I also wanted to mention, he is going to be insanely big in this game. Cause you know, I think he's going to be the guy that we need to have guard band Carroll a lot of the game. Uh, I think he's one of our only guys that can actually, that's big enough to guard him, but also can keep up with him off the dribble because of how good he's gotten at defending just on the ball. So, um, you know, that game strategy that we had against Notre Dame, really I think we're going to be playing something similar. Uh, I think we're going to let Duke take the outside shots they want to and just try to keep those to a minimum and just try to dominate the paint. But offensively, uh, I really just don't, I can't see us having a second game in a row in the NCAA tournament that bad. Like these guys are too experienced. Uh, they know what it's going to take to win. And I think, uh, I think Bryson Williams is going to have a hell of a game. You know, we're talking about this and I, th I think that when you look at, when you look at Duke's roster and you know, you see the main six that they play and the the top two guys that are getting the most minutes are obviously Wendell Moore Jr. and, and Paolo Bancaro. You know, we touched on Wendell Moore a bit earlier and how he was in that same uh, recruiting class uh, with Zion Williamson. And I kind of think that they might have thought that he was also going to be a one-and-done guy. But, you know, here he is, you know, two, three years later. He's a junior now. He's still on the team. Um, both of those guys have the most minutes. They lead in points. Uh and pretty much almost every single major statistical category. Uh, do you think that the key to this game for Tech, you know, I know we talked about, we touched on it earlier, like in the Kansas game at home, for example, you know, we outscored them in the paint 42 to 18. Uh, they're arguably their two best players are, or I guess they're almost three best players are forwards. So do you think that, are the keys to this game for Tech will be in the paint or will it be kind of mid-range to outside shooting? To me, um, when a team's best players are forwards, that's when Tech thrives defensively. Uh, you know, elite guards is our biggest weakness. But if you go and look, even the Gonzaga game, you know, we were heavily outmatched without TJ. Uh, I, can't, I can't remember if Kev played in that game or not, but we were heavily outmatched uh, on the guard side and even on the forward side. And we were still able to lock down Timmy and Holmgren. And we just got killed in the end by, you know, their outside shooters. But the thing is, Duke doesn't have those outside shooters that uh, Gonzaga does. And I think that down low, Bryson, uh, Kevin O'Banner, Santos Silva, um, 
those three guys defensively are kind of one of the biggest advantages you can have over Duke because all three of them are big, uh, they're long, and they're athletic. They're going to make things difficult. And the way that we bring doubles when uh, players get the ball down low, especially when they're uh, top-tier players, I think we're going to frustrate them, uh, especially Ben Carroll. You know, when you're a freshman that hasn't seen that defense all year and you finally get into the tournament and now you're going to have – they're sending two dudes at them. And, uh, you know, you think – like the Montana State coach said, you know, you think you're making the right play and you think making that extra pass uh, is the right move. But with Tech's defense, uh, it just swarms you. And no amount of film can help you on that. And – um, I think at the end of the day, you know, our experience and, you know, our length down low is going to really just create a lot of issues for Duke's best players. Now, you know, like I said, Jeremy Roach can heat up from outside. Uh, and there's just going to be guys that if Duke, you know, finds their stroke from deep, we could be in trouble. Like it, that's been the case every single time we've lost this year, you know, whether it was Ochai Abaji or, uh, you know, Harmon over at – or not – Emoja Gibson, not Harmon. Yeah, Gibson, yeah. But, um, or – Well, you, uh, know, you, mentioned, you mentioned it in the in the Gonzaga game. Uh, McCuller did play that game. He had a double-double, 14 and 10. But uh, you have two guys for Gonzaga and uh, Rasir Bolton and uh, Andrew Nimhard who, who to combined went 9 of 18 from three. Yeah, exactly, and that's the thing that's going to kill us. But I just don't think Duke has dudes that can heat up for that long. And we everybody knew what Nemhard could do. And Bolton at Iowa State, you know, if he we everybody knows that if Bolton heats up, you know, it's pretty hard to stop too. Like he will pull from just about inside half court. So that's just impossible to stop. And if a team can spread out Tech's defense like that, that's how you beat them. But like I've said, I just don't think that Duke has the shooters to spread out our defense enough. And, you know, I think we're going to sell out in the paint. And I think we're going to, I think Mark Adams is going to tell Duke that if they want to beat us, they're going to have to make the shots outside. Cause you know, if there's one thing, Texas tech doesn't get big dog, no matter what the program is, you know, no matter who your players are like drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren, it does not get better than that for a front court in college basketball. And we held them to what was it? Like uh, 12, it was, uh, 12, it was uh, 12 points on, <laughs> on three of eight shooting from the field. Yeah. Like that, the fact that we hold held them to that few of shots is just like, we tech does what they want with people down low and no talent can really change that. And, um, you know, really in the past couple of years, there's very few guys that have exploited tech down low. Uh, there is may- maybe two or three that I can name total. And one of them's Yudoka Azabuki, uh, Luca Garza in Las Vegas did it. But those two guys are two of the most dominant bigs in the last decade. So unless Duke is pulling one of those out that they haven't had all year, I just don't see their guys down low doing anything more than, uh, you know, anyone else we've seen this year. 
I feel like those guys are kind of few and far between nowadays. So guys that want to just get down low and post up on every play and, you know, get rough down there on the block. You know, I, I feel like it's, it's really hard to find, you know, guys like that that want to just do that every single time, like a Luca Garza or anything yeah, like that, you know. Well, and especially against Tech, like – Oh, yeah, definitely. will tell you that where – like even a half, where – like go look at even like a guy that had success against us, like Derek Culver. He – for West Virginia, like they – even the success he had, he could never do it for two halves because of how tiring it is. And uh, especially in the NCAA tournament, when you have very little time to prepare and very little time to recover from your last game, which was a very intense high tempo game against Michigan state where it was up and down the court, very different than what you'll see against tech. So, uh, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna have some struggles throughout the game offensively. Like it's just kind of what we do, but, um, I think our defense is going to do what it's done all year. We have never been put in too big of a hole strictly because of our defense. Uh, you know, no matter how big of a drought we go on, like how long did we go against Notre Dame? We missed like 10 straight shots or something in the last seven minutes. Yeah. And the biggest lead they got on us was three points. Like, and Notre Dame finished second in the ACC. And, you know, I think the ACC kind of looking at this tournament now, um, the way it's going, I think that the ACC, I'm not going to say it was a much better conference than what people thought, but like, I think when people were talking about the SEC and the Big Ten, uh, I think the ACC are on par with those conferences. And, um, you know, us beating Notre Dame to me was uh, a lot bigger than a lot of people realize because that seeing an ACC style team before seeing Duke is almost like the best thing that we could have gotten. Yeah, absolutely. Because absolutely. all those ACC teams really play a very similar style. They play kind of up-tempo. They like to shoot the three uh, versus the Big 12. A lot of people like to go down, though. There's a lot of banging in the Big 12. Uh, but, you know, I think us seeing the diverse play that we saw from Notre Dame, uh, they – Duke just hasn't seen anything like tech this year. I think and, it, I think I think it goes a lot to your point too. Um in in you know you kind of talked about that scoreless stretch. I think the biggest game so far that has really spoken out to me at least in terms of your defense keeping you in was that uh, Big 12 semifinal against Oklahoma, you know. Oh God, uh, that was brutal. Yeah, I mean, it was it was painful to watch at times at most of the in second person, half. It was even worse. Yeah, I mean, you were there, so you saw it. Yeah. And and so uh, you know, I think going, you know, whatever, nine and a half minutes or whatever we did without making a bucket, uh, you know, but, but being there the whole game, I mean, it wasn't like, it wasn't like, you know, we're, we haven't made a bucket in nine minutes and now OU's up 15, you know? Yeah. yeah we were there, we were there in it the whole game and, uh, you know, it, it looked bad and downright ugly at times, uh, but you know, you were never out of it. And, and the uh, thing is, yeah. the thing about all of that, as bad as our offense can get, we never stop getting good looks. To me, it's just we have a very weird trend of when one guy gets cold, somehow it seems like our whole team does. And um, if 
it just seems like if there, we go multiple possessions in a row without scoring, it seems like you kind of know a drought is coming. And I think that the best kind of cure for that is just kind of causing turnovers, causing more turnovers, getting out in fast breaks more often. And something that is a little alarming to me that we haven't seen at all since postseason started, we haven't really seen free safety TJ Shannon in the middle of the court. Uh, We haven't really been seeing a lot of those open steals and us reading passes. And I don't know if that's because in the NCAA tournament, they're maybe being told to be a little less aggressive on the passing lanes so we aren't getting beat back door and stuff. But could also uh, be teams that we haven't seen yet. You know, the, we're, we're at the point in the Big 12 tournament, all everyone that you're playing, you know, this is the third time you're seeing them. So, yeah, you know, you, you know what you're going to get. And I just want to throw in there that anybody wondering why Iowa State's in the Sweet 16, that is exactly why. The only reason that they – kind of got slapped around the Big 12 is because by the time everyone saw them a second time, they knew exactly what to do against them. But uh, the Big – I think this week just proved that the Big 12 was by far the best conference. And OU didn't do themselves any favors getting bounced in the second round of the NIT. But uh, I think that they were um, – they were a top 68 team, and they also would have made a run – so I think that our conference, as much as I hate a lot of the teams in there, uh, our conference really prepared us to do well in this tournament. Like it's a it's really the conference is just like at a level I've never really seen an individual basketball conference before. Like there's just not a night where you can look at every single team and know that it's going to be a close game. I think it said there was only like six or seven games in the Big 12 play that were considered blowouts this year. And yeah, absolutely. So and, I and I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna bring something else up, not to pivot too much off of uh, this matchup, uh, but it's news in the Big 12, so it's it's it'll be news for us. Uh, you know, Kansas State has hired uh, Jerome Tang as its head coach, and he made a, he made a not just a splash, he made a uh, full-on cannonball with his first hire uh, to his coaching staff, hiring uh, Ulrich away from the 40 Acres down in Austin. Um, just want to touch on that real quick with you. Uh, I don't know about you, but just when – I know we we kind of touched on it earlier a bit, but – that team up in Manhattan, <laughs> oh my we might, we might, we might get, we might get back to 2018, 2019 K State when we had, when we uh, were co Big Twelve champions with them in the regular season. You know, they, uh, they're, they're going to be scary in a couple years. Well, so it might not even take a couple years if you think about the talent they had there this year. A lot of those players can come back, and I think a lot will. I think not. I, I definitely think with with Tang there. I think I think Nigel Pack comes back for sure. Oh, a hundred percent. There's. I thought I was holding out hope that maybe he would end up leaving, but after this hire and Ulrich, that one, you know, it's a little confused. I said this from the uh, Hub City Twitter earlier today. I was talking. I can't remember who I was interacting with, but you know, I just brought up the fact that I'm not shocked that he left Texas for a better opportunity. I was shocked that he went to Kansas State though because that man 
can recruit Texas, the state of Texas, better than just about anyone else. And um, I don't know if that's strategy to bring those Texas players to Manhattan or if he wants to start kind of, you know, widening his horizons as a national recruiter. But either way, I think everyone knows Ulrich is going to be able to get guys there. I, uh, I was I was I was talking about this uh, earlier and I was sitting there thinking to myself, you know, he he left tech with beard, which I which I understand. And part of me in the back of my head thinks that maybe he could have left Tech thinking that he was going to, you know, kind of get a promotion, you know, be one of the higher paid assistants and more like involved in game planning, even though that's not really what he's got. You know, he's good at recruiting. But I kind of think that maybe he thought that when he got on the plane with Beard that day, you know, that since Mark Adams didn't come, that, you know, maybe he'd get the nod of approval and and you know you know who did get that nod of approval? It, it was Rodney Terry from UTEP. So well, there was Terry. He brought back yeah. Chris Ogden. Yeah, he got Ogden from Kansas too. So like, if you're if you're Ulrich and you're sitting there or sitting on the plane, you're like, man, I'm the top guy. I'm the next guy in line. And then all of a sudden, it's two weeks later, and you're like, shit, I'm back third on the totem pole again. You know what gives with this? Well, uh, Ed, that's. Yeah. That's, you know, that's exactly what part, I that's, thought about that's, it. That's, that's part of what I think uh, possibly happened with it. Oh, yeah. And with him, I thought – I personally think that when I saw him leave, I thought that he was going to be like a hands-on assistant and stuff. But, you know, like you said, uh, he kind of just kept getting pushed back in that pecking order and Beard just kept bringing back, you know, his old guys that, you know, he used to coach with, his old coaching buddies. Uh, and I think that – um, you know, if, uh, the K-State job wasn't there, I still think, I don't necessarily know that he would have left Texas, but, um, I, I'm curious to see what happens in Austin this off season, because, you know, there's a lot of rumors about everything that's, that has happened. You know, how many players could we see transfer out of there? How many, you know, how much shit could hit the fan? in a short amount of time, you know, this could just be the first domino, like, cause you know, if everyone remembers, obviously Jalen Tyson left, uh, but Marcus Carr, there was rumors in the middle of the season about him leaving. Trey uh, Mitchell. Trey Mitchell just left and his dad had nothing but bad things to say about beard. Uh, you know, and there's just been rumors all year that he's been very, you know, uh, aggressive and practices and stuff. And just like, uh, you know, I, there's obviously the best parts of Beard were always kind of his enthusiasm, but not everybody responds well to that and his coaching style. And um, I think that's starting to ruffle some feathers up uh, over in Austin. I just think that. Well, if you uh, were, if you remember that, that really started last year when Namari Burnett left Tech. You know, he left after oh, 10, yeah. or 10 or 11 games. He left mid-season because he didn't like it. And that still pisses me off because he could have been he if been he great. stays at Tech, he, yeah, he probably would have stayed through the coaching change, and mm-hmm. it would have been if we had a guy like Burnett on this team, it'd be game over for just about everybody else. Yeah. So, and that see that's another part of me that I feel like if Beard knows he's staying, he's pushing way harder to keep Burnett there. But that's a whole other topic that we'll get to another day. Yeah, but. Absolutely. Let's 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 go back to Duke 
And, and I kind of want to touch on this a little bit again. Uh, you know, we, we talked about getting points in the paint for tech. Um, you know, in your mind, we, we talked about the outside shooting, but what other than that, if you can think of anything, do we need to worry about Duke doing that, you know, kind of sets them ahead? Uh, you know, do we need to worry about a dribble and dribble and drive game or are they driving and kicking out or, uh, you know, are they going to try and get to the line? Uh, you know, you if know, you're, you're, your best guess, what do you think they're going to try and do? Ben Caro, you know, if he gets hot, we're in trouble. That's just the thing. Because uh, he, he's going to be able to rise up and shoot over just about anyone guarding him. Uh, you know, he is aggressive down low. And kind of everything flows through him. Uh, so if we get him, you know, frustrated early and maybe in some foul trouble early, which who knows with what the refing is going to be like. But, uh, you know, I think that they just run. They, they're they a very up-tempo team. Uh, they have the athletes that, you know, in the past I'd say Tech doesn't have. But, you know, this Tech team, an athletic team, in like – a very like even a bigger team that they compared to other teams they're big but compared to tech i mean there's just not that many weaknesses that an offense can like there's not many advantages that an offense can have on tech's defense because we have a starting lineup with guys about 66 to 68 all within that range you know that eliminates a lot of you know weak potential weaknesses that we could have defensively like you know uh them driving on us I think with our like that that takes away a lot of you know potential driving opportunities uh you know they're they run a lot of pick and pop pick and roll with uh Van Carroll but with our backside defense we eliminate like nobody's been able to do that on tech all year Kansas tried it uh didn't work so they had to switch a lot to just getting the ball to Ochai and Hope he does his thing, which it worked twice against us this year. Um, but really, well, and there me, have been there have been games that we've seen Ochai struggle too. So I mean, it's just it's just one of those things. I feel like it can also be just you know it's their night type thing. Also, yeah, and like you know we've had that a couple times this year. Uh, Emoji Gibson all, is the yeah. one that is the one that's is the one that definitely I think would stick out to everyone that's listening to this for sure. Well, like there sometimes there's no defense against a guy that that when it's his night, and the NCAA tournament seems to have more of those types of nights than any other time of the year. Obviously, like you know when the brights are lightest is when some of the best players are going to step up, and you know I'm. Looking at this game, I think this has to be the TJ Shannon game. You know, March Madness is so decided on guard play to me. And this is actually a game that I think we have the better guards. We have the more talented guards, which I haven't been able to say that, you know, against in our top games. You know, Baylor, their guards, they're the best, some of the best in the nation. Kansas. Uh, with Abaji, really, their set of guards are going to be better than you most of the time. But, you know, this is really the first top team that we've been able to play and look across at and say, yeah, we have better guards. And that is really big when you consider how much we've relied on our big men this year. 
you know, we've relied on a big game from Williams or O'Banner almost every single game, it seems like, that we've done anything well in. So uh, I think I think the one game that you relied on uh, Williams that was just terrible, um, I, I think of the Gonzaga game. You know, we didn't have TJ. Uh, you know, Kev, Kev did his thing, but, you know, I, I think Bryson had five points in that game. Yeah, and see, that's why I really want to get Gonzaga again. That's not going to happen twice. No, not a, <laughs> not a, not a snowball's chance in hell that like, that happens again. This team is full of too many damn dogs. You know, if we wouldn't have lost to Kansas in the conference championship, I would have been able to say this, but there's just not many teams that are beating a Mark Adams coach team twice. And I think the only reason Kansas got us again uh, playing in KC – uh, it's basically a road game. You played well, yeah. two road games against Kansas. But, you know, it is so hard to beat this Tech team twice. Uh, you know, you saw how many teams tried and failed. Uh, Oklahoma beat us once. We kicked the shit out of them after. Iowa uh, State. Iowa State beat us. And let's be real. Iowa State beat us when we had our basically had seven, hand, had seven guys. Yeah, We had a hand tied behind our back. Uh, K State, you know that. I think K State made it two, made it closer two, than two, anyone two. else, honestly. Yeah, and like, and when Tech has something to play for too, um, it do, also doesn't it well. Just yeah, look at the helps. Texas games, look at the Baylor games. I mean, like this team, uh, they can get motivated very easily, and you have to know how. I'm not gonna say pissed off, but. You, this team sees that all the talk is around this being Coach K's last run. Uh, not a ton of national media are giving Tech a shot. Uh, you know, and I'm the thing I'm scared about is the officiating. Uh, I am too. Put that out there I, right I am, now. I am too, 100%. We got, we got Doug Shows as one of our uh, officials. And, you know, he's been around K a lot in, his, in these past couple years, officiating-wise. I just don't want – if I see us getting called for ticky-tack fouls, it's going to just drive me crazy because you know that every single network wants that Gonzaga-Duke matchup. Uh, yeah. But I think that this is like the one time against a Blue Blood that we've got against – we've went against quite a few Blue Bloods uh, in our last couple tournament runs, uh, you know – you get we've faced a lot of story programs. Notre Dame was the most recent one, but we faced uh, in the past like Villanova, Purdue, Gonzaga, um, yeah. and Michigan we've State. Been re- yeah, and Michigan both. Uh, yeah, both Michigan schools that year for sure. Uh, that and something I've noticed is you know that's kind of when we play some of our best ball uh, is when we're facing those top dogs because. Um, I think, especially with, you know, just the mentality our teams have now, uh, they they don't like looking at Duke and see that those are the guys that got recruited over them. You right. know, like you think guys like Adonis and Bryson and Kevin O'Banner, who all played for these tiny mid-majors, aren't looking at Coach K and seeing like, you know, the guy that didn't recruit him, the guy that never even thought about picking up the phone. And even a guy like TJ and Kevin, who felt that they were some of the better talent in their class, um, still really didn't get much attention from them. 
So, you know, they never really had heard, they didn't, they had never heard of him until they needed to watch film for tech. Yeah. And that is just, I, I cannot wait to see the, like the CBS insider stuff that is following tech. It'll probably, oh, like, that's following us. Yeah. The camera. Yeah. Crew, when yeah. they, when they, uh, when they start really, I a, want to see uh, kind of the video of, you know, our locker room uh, before the Notre Dame game. But, um, you know, I think that this team, there's just something about them. I, it, they're just street dogs. They, uh, they are gritty and, you know, they're, they're not going to get outworked, especially not by a Duke team whose average age is 19 years old. Uh, you know, if you don't, the experience, I think, I think we're just going to have, I'm not going to say this is kind of like a bold statement, but like this is definitely a game where if we play our cards right, you know, it could legitimately be a double-digit victory. You watch them, Duke, play multiple terrible games this year uh, against talented teams like North Carolina that last game of the year. And uh, just they've had a lot of collapses against, you know, teams that aren't that great. And one Big thing that I for, I meant to mention a very long time ago. Um, Duke's two biggest struggles this year were against Virginia. And that's the exact same type of team they're going to see against Tech with way more talent. So I, there's just a lot of things that point to this being a really successful game for Tech. Yeah, you know, you're, you're talking about Virginia. Um, you know, they, they got – <laughs> they got really kind of exposed, I'd say, against Ohio State earlier in the year in that Big Ten ACC challenge. You know, they, they beat Gonzaga already once by three. That game was out in Vegas. Uh, you know, the the Virginia games were bad for them in both. Uh, you know, they had that. They also had that uh, overtime loss in Tallahassee uh, at Florida State, but. I'm gonna I'm gonna transition a little bit, go back to the wide scope of things. Um, I'll give you the opportunity to pick a winner and give me a score here in a second. But I'm gonna transition to the other seven games that are being played. I'll give you the matchup, and you just tell me who wins. And just two seconds on why you think they win. So I'm just I'll start in the east. Uh, four seed UCLA against eight seed North Carolina. Um, I got UCLA in that just because of their guard play. Uh, and they have a very good post in Miles Johnson. I think he's going to be able to control North Carolina. And they're just on the run of their lives. But I think, you know, Sweet 16 is a good run for them. But I think that uh, UNC fully healthy uh, is going to take them down. All right. Uh Purdue and St. Peter's. Are you are you are you going with the Peacocks for one game, or are they are they done? See, the thing that Purdue has that the other that Murray State and Kentucky don't have is a seven foot four giant, and you know they've been able to fit, kind of bow up against these other posts down low and kind of rough them up. You ain't roughing up a seven foot three guy. So 
The kid can't. Uh, I, the kid like, can't shoot free throws. He struggles from the line. I was watching that last game that they that, had, him, and he just and he was terrible. He was awful. That it's so weird. That Texas game was the worst game he's like. He is actually for this most of the year. He is as a seven foot three guy. He has some of the best body control for a guy his size I've seen. Uh, and I think that could kind of come out against St. Peter's when you have less talent down low. So yeah. I I got Purdue, and it, it could be pretty ugly to me all right uh going to our bracket uh, i got gonzaga and arkansas uh gonzaga's nine and a half point favorites uh you know they got uh drew timmy and skeletor aka chet holmgren uh you know they got rasir bolton nimhard you know they're they're elite i'm not going to be around the bush there's a reason they're number one overall seed and you can you can bitch about their conference all you want but, I mean, they're the number one seed. So, uh, who you got? I'm actually going to surprise. I, I'm going to go Arkansas. Solely really? Of, they – okay. So, th- that Arkansas team, there's a couple reasons. They remind me a shit ton of uh, Tech in that, you know, that team that made the Elite Eight run uh, that year after. That hunger for those players that return sometimes – carries them against teams that are more talented and god i hate yes. i hate muscleman though oh, i hate him yeah. he's oh, so annoying I hate him with passion but when you look at arkansas's roster you look at their guards especially jd note that is like that is going to be their biggest advantage and gonzaga has been atrocious defensively their past couple games you know they let georgia state hang in there for way too damn long yeah. and memphis Memphis you know, was with them until like the last five minutes. And they give up a lot of open shots. You can't do that against Arkansas because yeah. their guards will make you pay. And they match up really well down low too, as much as I hate to say it, like this Arkansas team, I think they, and I selfishly, I want Arkansas to win it too. Cause I would have no better feeling than beating them in the elite oh, yeah. eight after, oh, after yeah. all that shit last year. Yeah. So, Okay, we'll skip our game, go to the South, Arizona and Houston. Um, I personally, I have Arizona winning this by double digits. I just don't think that Houston, uh, yeah, you know, they they hung in there with Illinois. I think Illinois was not a four seed. I think they're closer to a six in all reality when it comes down to it. They won a lot of games, but at the same time, I just didn't think the talent the talent was there other than Coburn. Um you know, I just don't think Houston plays anyone. They really haven't proven much to me still, even beating Illinois. Um, I just – I don't think they play anyone, and I don't think that this team is as talented as their team from last year is. Well, I'm in a similar boat to you when it comes to that, but they actually – that Illinois game actually did kind of prove a lot to me in the sense that, um, you know, they are – they, they're missing some of their talent with Sasser and that big that went down early in the year. They're missing two starters. But, you know, their physicality, that and, it, and it's even more shocking that, like, the, really the officiating hasn't, like, stopped them from doing this. But if you watch that Arizona – The one team, game, the one team, the one team it hasn't stopped. Exactly. But – and then if you watch TCU play Arizona, oh, my God, they gave them hell. They the physicality of TCU, oh yeah, oh, it it just gave them hell. And to me, Houston, I don't necessarily think that they have near the talent of Arizona, but 
hell Samson is just a hell of a coach. Yeah. He he can game plan for anyone. I still think Arizona wins it, but I won't be shocked at all if Houston knocks them off just because of that physical defense. It should, for the record, and we'll get into this another time. I still think it should be Houston against TCU. Mike Miles was fouled at half court. Oh, for easily. Who is asking? He was mugged. Yes. Uh, next game will go to uh, Villanova, Michigan. Uh, Michigan is on talking about one of the runs for the ages. Eleven seed uh, coming into the Sweet Sixteen. Uh, you know they've shit. Dude, I mean they beat uh, Tennessee in the last round. Uh, handily, I guess, kind of by a. I I mean, they kind of pulled away a little bit in the second half of that one and never really looked back. Um, you, do you got, you got Nova making it to the lead eight? I have Nova in my final four, actually my national title game. Uh, I think that they're kind of, they're, I don't know if it's possible for a Jay Wright Villanova team to be underrated, but I think they are. I mean, you know, they were one, they handled their first-round matchup. Uh, Ohio State, that game was a 10-point game. In reality, Villanova just kind of let off the gas a little bit in that, late in that second half and let Ohio State get back into it. But they controlled that entire game. They were up like 15 at halftime. Uh, I think that Nova I, – I won't be shocked if they make a little bit of a statement here because as good as Michigan has been playing – um, there was a reason they were 17 and 14. Uh, if you watch them in the Big Ten, uh, they yeah. were incredibly inconsistent and um, they shot out of their minds those first two rounds. They have yeah. not shot like that all season. They have the talent, but uh, Can I think they keep that, it up. And it's also this is, this is when good coaching is going to come to bite. I hate Jawan Howard. I think he is the most overrated coach in the nation. You better watch that, out if you're saying that. He might come through the mic, the computer and punch <laughs> you in the face. You know, I mean, he – okay, that's also BS that he's coaching right now. Yeah, I, think that, I agree. I thought I agree. he should have been suspended for not only the rest of the season but the postseason as well. I don't yeah. think he should have been fired, but I don't think he should be coaching this tournament. I agree. So I would love nothing more than to see Nova just come and kind of kick the shit out of him. All right, we'll pick it up a little bit. Uh, Kansas and Providence. I got Kansas in a blowout. All right. And Iowa State and Miami. Does Iowa State get to the Elite Eight against Kansas? This is a terrible matchup for Miami. Uh, you know, they rely on their guards way too much. Iowa State locks down just about at everybody's guards. I think Iowa State wins. But it's also an interesting mascot, mascot matchup between the Cyclones and the Hurricanes. But Ooh. and they're Yeah, Ooh. and they're both – okay. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, it's what you kind of think is the stronger storm there is going to win. But yeah, I, had, think I got Iowa State. You had my curiosity. Now you have my attention. All right. Let's go over to Duke and Tech. And, uh, you know, we've, we've talked until we're blue in the face about this. Can't Don't know if we can really deep dive it much more other than really do it looking at film. Uh, you know, Tech – is a is a one point favorite in this game uh you know this where all the storylines are there uh coach k is on tournament win 99 if he beats tech in the sweet 16 he has 100 tournament wins uh you, you know it's all there Every, you know we got the all-star crew that's doing the game for cbs i think we have jim nance and bill raftery and grant hill 
for this game. So we are upping our uh, worth in terms of commentating crews. Um, so I want you to give me a final score, and I want you to tell me why that happens. Um, you know, I my final, I've kind of gone back and forth on, like, where I kind of want to sit at. I think a realistic estimate would be something like a 72 to 66 type of win for Tech. Um, I think if this game gets anywhere close to the 80s, uh, I think Duke wins uh, because that means you're kind of getting into more of a shootout with them. Uh, And I think, you know, anything under 70, I think Tech's going to win just because that's Tech's game. That means the the pace was Tech's pace. Uh, and Tech just can't let the bright lights get to them. You're playing in, uh, you know, a brand new NBA arena. Yeah. Uh, you're playing in front of the biggest and brightest lights there is. You're, like you said, we have their all star lineup. We have their final four announcers. Like, yeah. This is absolutely. This. These are these are the people that will be calling the national championship. This so, is it. Like yeah. it's. Like it, the brights or the lights don't get any brighter for anyone in college basketball than playing Duke in Coach K's final run in the Sweet 16. Like this is where kind of you know if you're gonna become a Tech legend, like this is the game. You can't ask you, for much more. Like if you end Coach K's career on like on the way, even no matter what, if we win this game, like nobody can say anything about our season. Like nobody has any room to talk about, you know, any shortcomings, but you know, and you know, I can definitely see us losing this game. There's a lot of factors that could go into it. You know, like we've talked about the officiating, uh, you know, somebody gets hot and it's, it's just Duke. Like Duke can be anyone on any night, but, uh, at the end of the day, they, I think Tech can do this, and I think they will do it. And if they don't, uh, I hope not to remember it. So, uh, yeah, let's just absolutely. hope Tech wins 72 to 66. All right. I got Tech in this one 68 to 58. And uh, I, I really think that Tech can, uh, you know, control the tempo in this one. I just really think that uh, Duke only playing six guys, and I, I just think that they're gassed. Uh, after all these games and i and i think that tech's uh tech is better conditioned and i just think that defense like you've mentioned it's duke hasn't seen anything like it all i think it gives them fits um that'll conclude our basketball talk i do want to jump for a quick minute to our baseball team uh tech is ranked currently 16th in the top 25 uh, we start Big 12 play this weekend at home against number two, Texas. Uh, Texas being ranked number one for a majority of the year so far. Had a little bit of a rough patch in the state of South Carolina a couple weeks ago. Uh, so they dropped to number two. Um, Texas is elite in pretty much everything that they do when it comes to baseball. Uh, they, David Pierce is a great coach. Um, you know, they have Troy Tulowitzki on their staff. I mean, they have four, like former MLB guys on their, on their staff. So, uh, you know, Texas is elite when it comes to baseball. Um, 
they did lose Tanner Witt to a uh, which would be their Sunday starter to Tommy John surgery last week. So he is out for the year. Uh, you know, they have their uh, middle of the week guy uh, coming up and uh, taking over that Sunday spot. And uh, his name is Lucas Gordon. Uh, and, and, you know, he had been the midweek guy, kind of what Chase Hampton is for us. Um, but, you know, Texas isn't going to recruit anyone that's bad at baseball. So, uh, you know, I, I expect him to be just fine uh, filling in that Sunday spot. Uh, Kendall, I will ask you, I know you were at the games last weekend in Iowa or at the game, at least on Sunday, the game that tech lost and Iowa won. Um, you know, what did, what did you see from the team? Uh, I know that we, we kind of talked about it briefly while you were there. Uh, you know, the bullpen is obviously one of the glaring things with this tech team right now is in terms of like a Jekyll and Hyde situation. You know, you don't know if it's going to be the team you got you know, against Arizona uh, where they gave up, you know, 10 runs, or if it's going to be the team you saw in the second game against Mississippi State that threw a bullpen game and pretty much shut them out. So, yeah. uh, you know, what did, what did you see in Iowa uh, that impressed you, and what did you see that kind of, uh, you know, gave you a little bit of worry overall? Well, so the game that I got to see, obviously, Sunday was there much worse of the two. Um, I just think that I will say that, um, Iowa's pitcher that day, uh, I can't think, think of his name off the top of my head, but he is one of the better pitchers in the big 10. So I don't think that, uh, that was of concern, you know, they struggled to get hits off of him, but that's a top tier pitcher. Uh, I will say though, um, the thing with Iowa and what just their, habits this year their bullpen is terrible and tech should have been able to capitalize once they had to go to the bullpen and outside of a jace young homer uh there just really wasn't much there and that's a little worrisome and also just uh you know as soon as tech had to go to the bullpen iowa really took over that game uh i think they scored four runs right shortly after that and uh just took over and that's a little alarming. Iowa has had a lot of games this year where they haven't even been able to break uh, three runs, you know, five hits uh, is usually like their typical type of game. And, you know, there's they had games against like Texas A&M, Wichita State, where they just got absolutely dominated. And so that's a little worrisome. But, you know, also playing on the road, um, you know, it's it's just difficult to win two on the road, especially against the power conference team. Uh, even if, you know, Iowa is a, a top tier program, they're still a big 10 team. So they're not, it's never going to be like easy. So uh, I just think that, you know, going into the Texas series, um, you know, I, it's early. I just think that they need to, um, if they can stay more consistent with their bats, I feel like they're relying a lot on like some of their power hitters. If they're getting like, I've noticed that, you know, if um, like between Parker Kelly and uh, Jace Young and uh, the rest of the squad, like we've had some dudes that are hitting nukes this year, especially Parker Kelly. Shout out to him. He's having 
just Dude, an absolutely it's still so weird to me to be able to say that in a sentence. Well, yeah, like he was yeah. at the end of the order last year. He uh, he had like, he, he had really he had one he had one career home run coming into this into this year or two career home runs. Uh, you know, and he's a senior, or is he? Is he a senior well, yeah. or a junior? I think he. I think he's a. Uh, yeah, no, he's a. He's a fifth year. Uh, so, you know, just having two home runs in his entire four years before this, and then just coming yeah. out and absolutely raking, it's been it's been so good to see. And you know, but really that's in my exactly mind, what this yeah, team needed though, yeah, like they needed more guys to step up, absolutely bat wise. So I absolutely. think that, and that's why I think going into Big Twelve play. Um, you know, th- there was a lot of guys that, you know, got drafted last year that they were going to be some pretty big shoes to fill. But like a guy like Parker Kelly stepping up, that's exactly what you need, especially um, in the college in college baseball. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Just, like next man up. And a lot of text roster has really responded well to me, especially just because, you know, they were kind of underrated coming in the year. You know, there was some disrespect thrown out there uh, with the rankings early. Yeah. Uh, so I think that this team has done exactly what they've needed to. And I think going and getting two against Texas, I mean, we'd love a sweep, but just winning the series, uh, you know, even like as long as you don't get swept, that's impressive against, you know, that Texas team. But, you know, you go and get two, you make a statement to start the year and you sweep them and you're putting the big 12 on notice. Absolutely. I think, I think a sweep would be huge. I I agree with you 100%. I think two games would be huge. Two games to, you know, it, I think two games would put the Big 12 on notice. Uh, you know, I, I think I think TCU, I kind of mentioned this in my article, uh, you know, TCU and Oklahoma State, it's, it's typically the top four uh, of the Big 12 and are really in contention. Every, it's usually Tech, Texas, TCU, and uh, Oklahoma State. Uh Baylor is on the rise. Baylor is, has really exceeded my expectations big time last year. Uh, coming to Lubbock and taking two of three from Tech was something I did not expect. Uh, but, you know, Baylor Baylor's an up-and-coming program, uh, and, you know, it's not going to be long before they're up there. I feel like all Baylor athletics is on the rise, which, you know, good for them. They, they were at the bottom, you know, of the Big 12 for a long time and damn near everything oh, yeah. that they, and, and damn near everything that they did. So it, it, it's really it's really good to see that that athletic program is turning around, um, and for the right people this time as opposed to last time. So um, you know that's good for them. But uh, like I said, I, I think that two games really does put the Big Twelve on notice. Uh, TCU's been inconsistent at times. Oklahoma State has as well. You know, Oklahoma State lost a series to Gonzaga earlier this year. Uh, nothing against that Gonzaga team. You know, they came to Lubbock last year and gave Tech everything that they wanted and more. Uh, Tech did end up winning that series, uh, but, you know, that was that was a series. I was at that series, and that was something that I was – I never felt comfortable as a fan that, uh, you know, we were for sure going to win in any of those games against Gonzaga. So their, their baseball squad is a good one out there. Um, you know, I'm I'm really looking for uh, the pitch at the pitching in this one in this series, and I think the pitching in the bullpen for both teams is what really makes uh, this series. It's what decides the series for me. Uh, Tech can hit when they want to, and Texas rakes every game pretty much. So um, 
the starters are going to be good on both sides. We know that. We know Birdsell can pitch. We know Andrew Morris can pitch. Uh, Mason Molina should be three and zero, but he's one and two because he didn't get any, uh, you know, support from the plate in those games that he pitched. But um, you know, we know what we're going to get from the from the starters most of the time. Um, it's the bullpen for me. Uh, you know, how does the Texas bullpen deal with the reshuffling out of after the Tanner Witt injury? Uh, you know, there are they going to still uh, you know, be, be good enough to handle what they're at, or, you know, are they going to be kind of flustered? People are going to be in new roles and, and that sort of thing. The tech bullpen, which bullpen are you getting? Are you getting, again, the team that pitched against Arizona, or are you getting the team that pitched against Mississippi state? Uh, I think that those are the main keys, uh, you know, other, I mean, you know, Trendon Parrish in the closing role is pretty reliable. The only time he got touched up was against Mississippi State. Um, other than that, he's been flawless. Uh, you know, ask Jose Cruz Jr. at Rice how good Trendon Parrish is. He'll probably curse at you. But, um, you know, the Tech team overall was definitely one of the most uh, – unproven teams that Tadlock has ever had. It was a lot of question marks, but I think this team has really, like you said, done what they needed to do so far. And uh, I think that, like I said, or like we both have said, you know, two wins against this Texas team to start out big 12 play puts the big 12 on notice that, you know, we're not going anywhere uh, just because we had nine or 10 guys drafted. Uh, you know, we're not, we're not planning on making any moves towards the bottom of the conference. Uh, but, you know, we'll go ahead and wrap up here. Uh, you know, uh, it's been me and Kendall tonight. Uh, again, Mike and Reed were uh, a little busy, so uh, we've had a great time, man. This has been this has been a hell of a time, and you know, uh, I really hope that Tech pulls one out on Thursday against Duke. I think, as we've both mentioned, uh, you know, it's it's definitely doable, and this is probably the most confident uh, that we've been in a big game, other than you know the home games against Kansas and Baylor all year. Uh, so. Um, we're going to go ahead and close up here. Uh, we're going to hope to pull out a win on Thursday against Duke and over the weekend against Texas in baseball. Uh, I don't know yet if we do take that win in the Sweet 16, if we are going to get another pot out before Gonzaga. I would imagine that we will uh, So at some point. So uh, be on the lookout for that. And uh, thanks and wreck them.